Today, we're going to talk in continuation from our message last week, even though it's a different message, it's still similar, in that last week I, I told you that God wanted us to uh, be serious about going and sharing the good news of people, the gospel about Jesus Christ. He wanted us to do that. And he actually commanded us to do that. And my job was to encourage you that we need to be doing that. And so we did that with some statistics and things of that nature. Uh, and I, I kind of mentioned that the atmosphere is very important, uh, that uh, the church atmosphere and things of that nature is very important uh, when we bring uh, people in uh, that are unbelievers. It's very important to provide an atmosphere that they will be uh, welcomed, let's put it that way. Now, today I wanted to go a little bit further in letting you know that even though we want to provide an atmosphere that is conducive for uh, people to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, atmosphere is not going to do it. I want you to know that. I want you to know that we can sing uh, beautiful songs. We can have the, the greatest choir and the greatest uh, praise band in the world, greatest singers. We can have uh, uh, bring the greatest uh, speaker in. It really doesn't really matter if the gospel doesn't go forth. Because from my perspective, which is coming from the word of God, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And that's what God just told me through his word. So therefore, when we, go on, when we go out, I want you to have a proper perspective about going out. And so the title of the message today is to reach out in humility. Last week, we were... Uh, basically, the bottom line was to, uh, we need to change our strategy, but when we reach out, we need to reach out. It's to encourage you to reach out. This week is reach out in humility. Now, you say, well, how, why would we think we should reach out in pride? It, it really depends upon your thinking whether you're going to reach out in humility or not. Because my theology tells me that when I reach out, I'm God's vessel, I'm his mouthpiece, I'm taking the gospel, I'm taking the good news, but it's him who is going to make the difference. It's him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, and let's look there, and let's look at verse 6. It's on your uh, screen there. It says that I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. See, Paul knew that he can take the good news, he can, he can, he can plant the church, he can, he can lay the foundation which no other person can lay, no other person can lay a different foundation than Jesus Christ. But he knew that he is not the man. Let's put it that way. He's not the man. Apollos was a great orator. He was, 
He was very eloquent in his speech. But he knew that he was not the man either. And sometimes we can go out and we can think that we are the person. We are God's gift for the hour. Call me. I'll come over, we might say. We might go to classes. We might go to uh, theology school. We might go to uh, seminary. We might uh, take uh, many, many courses and things on evangelism. We might know everything that has to do with apologetics. But let me tell you, if God is not doing anything, nothing was going to get done. Yes, he will use us. He's chosen to do that. So in verse 7 it says, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Is anything. Now I know that that, uh, that would hurt my feelings if I thought I was something. You know, we thought we were God's gift for, you know, the salvation of our loved one or whoever. We may think that uh, it's going to take uh, me convincing them to give their life to the Lord. Well, I want to encourage you to sleep well at night. That you present the gospel. That's the power of God. And then you rest. Because you can't cause anything to happen. Because you are nothing. When it comes to salvation. But God, who causes the growth, is everything. Now, do you see where I'm going today? Now, I'm trying to give us the word of God so that you, you know, when you get a command to go into all nations and, and uh, preach the gospel to all creation, when you, when, you, when you get the commandment to go and baptize, make disciples, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, uh, Sometimes you can get really discouraged when a loved one, when a, uh, a relative, when a friend, when a neighbor, when uh, people are not coming to the Lord. You can get discouraged and think that, well, maybe, uh, you know, the pastor said we might need to change our strategy. So maybe I need to uh, do something different. Maybe I need to uh, change the atmosphere. Maybe I need to uh, change the message so that it'll be more. Uh, acceptable to the unbeliever. I said, no. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do except pray, which we told you about last week. Until you decide to pray and seek God, then it's not going to happen. Because my scripture again tells me, which is your scripture, it tells me that uh, in John, and I don't want you to turn to it anything, John 6, 40-40, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him. So that tells me that if, if, if no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him, then I don't care how eloquent I am. I don't care uh, what kind of uh, bells and whistles we have in service, that they're not coming unless God draws them. That's what my word tells me. And my word also tells me in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 4 that the God of this world blinds the eyes of the unbelievers so that they might not see the light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. That's my, what my word tells me. So if my word tells me that, 
that the God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelievers so they can't see the light, then I need to pray, God, take the blinders off their eyes. I need to be doing a lot of praying and not a lot of talking. And then when I decide to go because the Holy Spirit tells me now it's time to go, then I present the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. We're all sinners. We're all falling short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Am I correct? Then the power of God is there because the gospel is there. That's what I'm trying to encourage you today. That's the bottom line today is that we need to go out in humility. We need to have our theology right that we don't, we don't um, think that we are something. We are not something. Nor should we think that it's up to us or that it's up to the person. It's up to this unbeliever, this ungodly believer, this sinner who we all were. Come on. I hope you think you weren't born a saint, that you weren't born saved. You weren't, just in case you thought you were. If somebody told you you were born saved, you were not. You were born a sinner because of Adam's sin. We all were born sinners. So, therefore, do you really think that here I am a sinner, in which I was a sinner, I was a sinner, that I'm going to be able to make a decision that I can believe in Christ and trust Christ and, and make a decision on the Lord when I get ready. Because after all, I'm the man. Do you see what I'm saying? And we all were there. We all were there. And so um, we can't believe that a person, a sinner, is going to have the ability to make that choice. Because if we think that, then we're not going to be able to sleep well at night. Because, see, we're going to be so worried about, oh, oh well, I, I want to say the right thing. Uh, I want to wear the right thing. I want to, I want to say it in the, at the right time. Uh, maybe, maybe I need to play music while I'm talking. Uh, because I, I, I surely want to convince him to make this decision or her to make this decision uh, uh, for Christ because they, they, they can make the decision today. All they have to do is, is just trust God. See, I'm th- talking theologically now. That's not the case. I want you to rest in that. And you might have left last week with thinking that, well, I don't know what kind of atmosphere that we're going to present, what kind of strategy we're going to have, because he said we need to change our strategy so we can win some loss. Uh, no, yes, we need to change our strategy, but the bottom line is that we need to start going, because the strategy, you know, was, was that um, uh, we weren't going anywhere as a church. Universal, all over the world, because I gave the statistics, didn't I? And if I said that 80% of the people were not even witnesses from Christ, if 95% of the people never led about the Christ, then our strategy is not working, which is standing in our homes and standing in the church and not talking about Jesus Christ. That was a change of strategy. Not that necessarily that we're going to have to uh, start changing the message, start, you know, uh, uh, having maybe... Uh, 
Uh, when people come in, we got the smoke and we got the, um, you know, the, the, all the, the, the chat and them come out with a cape on and stuff, you know, so that, so that <laughs> maybe we can convince somebody to be saved. Yeah. No, no, that, that's not what we're talking about. Because we know that a person is incapable of making a decision for Christ unless God draws them. And so we're going to be doing much prayer in the prayer room that God take the blinders off their eyes because the God's world has blinded them. We know that they can't see. And that's what we're going to do. Be praying. We're going to be praying. We're going to be praying at the 9 o'clock hour. We're going to be praying and praying to 9.30. We're going to be praying for the service, 9.30 to quarter hour to 10. We're going to be praying, praying, praying. We're going to be praying in our homes. We're going to be praying. We're going to be praying on Thursday night doing corporate prayer. We're going to be praying, praying, praying. And then we're going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God, and see what God does. And we're going to sleep well, because that's what God has said. Let's look in, um, in Luke 13, uh, because we want to go there. Because sometimes we think we can, uh, where we, where we can meet everybody's needs, maybe we can, we can uh, really, really uh, get them to make a decision for Jesus Christ so we can meet their needs. There's not enough needs to be met because I see in the scripture that Jesus did that. Let's look in verse 22 of Luke 13. And he was passing through one of the one city and village to another teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved. And he said to, to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets, gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us. And then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. So we see here that some of the people who were following Christ was wondering some of the same thing. Why aren't people getting saved? Why aren't people, you know, really, really? Uh, accepting you. You're going for all these villages. You're going everywhere. You're proclaiming the gospel. What's happening, Lord? And he, he, he's just letting them know that there will be people who are not going to accept him. But you are not responsible for that. I want you to go do what I've asked you to do. Let's look at, let's look at our Mark chapter 4 and look at a parable there. And let's see whether this is true across the board. From Genesis to Revelation, I like to go scripture to scripture so you'll see and so you'll know. Now, here he's talking in chapter 4, verse 1. This is a, this is a, a, a parable that mo- most of you know. Uh, the parallels in Matthew, probably 13, and, and uh, Luke 8, and, and different places like that. And, and here we're going to study the mark. But here, Jesus is about a year or so from, his, from, from uh, the cross. And, and um, he begins to teach again by the sea. He says again by the sea. Again by the sea. 
That means he talked by the sea a lot. And such a very large crowd. Now, this is an unusual large crowd. I mean, there's plenty of people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people gathered to him. And he got into a boat in the sea and sat down and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. So he couldn't even teach teach them uh, really on the shore because they were pressing against him too much. So he had to get out of the boat and, and, and launch out. Now he's going to teach them. And um, he started teaching them in, in, in many parables and saying to them. Now we're going to skip down just a little bit into one of the parables he was teaching. And uh, we know the parable about the sower. And let's go to this one right here in verse 26. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Now, he's, he's already talked about seed. Now, when the soil goes out to sow the word, sow the word, what is a seed? Okay, it's the word of God. I mean, that's because he's already told us that in the parable beforehand. The source, in verse 14, the source sows the word. So we know that the seed is the word of God. So we're talking about the kingdom of God is like a man who goes out and sows the word of God. So the, but we're talking about seed right now because it's a parable. He casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. He gets up, he goes to bed. He gets up, he goes to bed and it sprouts on his own. How he himself does not know. Now that's important. It, now, this, this is an uh, expert in agriculture it, it, because he's a, he's, a, he's a farmer. He sows. But he doesn't get upset. He doesn't wring his hand about the seed that he's sown. All he does is just sow it and goes to bed. Gets up, goes to bed. Gets up, goes to bed. Why isn't he so worried about the seed? Now, you know we're still talking about the same thing. We must... Reach out in humility. Is that correct? And I'm telling you that why can you give the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ and rest? That's what we're talking about. So this is a parable, but this is explaining it. Because we don't know how it's going to grow either, do we? Do we know how a person gets saved? Do we know? You say, yeah, I know. You don't know. What did he tell Nicodemus? Huh? Nicodemus wanted to, I know you're a rabbi, you know, I know you're the person, da, da, da. Uh, well, what, what did he tell Nicodemus? You must be born again. Oh, must be born again. Do I go inside my mother's womb again? What, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? What, what did Jesus tell him? Just like the wind blows, don't know where it's going to come from, don't know where it's going, it's don't know, then so is it. New birth. You don't know how the spirit does. We don't know how a person is born again. We don't know. All we know is the spirit of God somehow regenerates a dead soul. Do you say, because all our, 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 our souls are dead. I mean, the spirit is dead. It's just dead. But somehow he comes in and he just regenerates it. Somehow, before we couldn't see, all we know now we see. Before we didn't believe, but all of a sudden we know now. 
We believe. Before, we couldn't choose Christ. But now, we can choose him. We, we have a desire to choose him. How did that happen? Did you see it? Did you see it come in? Did you see him change anything? We don't see anything, do we? All we know is done. And we say, oh, the angels in heaven are rejoicing this day because here's a son that's been saved as a child has been brought out of darkness and he's now in light. Praise God and the whole church, you know, um, celebrates. That's all we know. Well, that's what happened with the farmer. He's telling us. It's automatic, in other words. It's automatic. It's something that happens automatic. You said, what do you mean automatic? What I mean is that when it says how he himself does not know, the soil produces crops by itself. Does the crop, does the soil produce it by itself? Does the farmer Somehow at night, while everybody's asleep, he goes out, dig it up, and he's, he, he messes around with it, pull chemicals on it and everything, and after a while it sprouts up. Is that what, what the farmer does? No, he doesn't do that. Somehow, it's automatic. In the process of God's divine um, wisdom, he puts it in the soil, he puts it in the seed, he puts everything together, He's the one that calls the sun to uh, shine on. He's the one that calls the rain, whether it be the former rain, the latter rain, you know, uh, in, in, in the Middle East and all those type of things. He provides everything, and all of a sudden, it says that first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But we don't know how. It does it of itself. It's automatic. By itself is a Greek word that means automati, or it can be automatos, which is our English word, automatic. It's all automatic. That's what it is, automatic. Divine automatic now. Divine automatic. This word is used only twice in the New Testament. The second time it's used, another time it's used, it's in the book of Acts. You know, we've been studying the book of Acts. You know, it's in the book of Acts. It's when, you remember, uh, the, the angel came and, and, and got Peter out of prison. You remember that? Out of jail? He was between, uh, uh, in chains. And uh, they, were, they were going. And all of a sudden, they got to the gate. And the gate opened automatic, by itself. By itself. It just opened. That, that Greek word is automatic. Automato. It opened. But it's divine. We don't know how it opened, but it opened. Okay? So is salvation. It's done of itself divinely. It's a divine thing, and we don't know how. That is the wisdom that this teaches that we don't have to be wringing our hands when we go out, we don't have to go out in pride thinking that we are something. We can't go out without any knowledge, without any wisdom. We need our class. We need things uh, so that when people ask us for the hope that's in us, we can give the hope that's in us. We can, we can uh, give the gospel, whether, it's from, whether we start in Isaiah, whether we start in Genesis, whether we start in uh, 
Joel, wherever we start, we can start giving the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have studied, we prepared when we go out. Do you understand? I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you today that you don't have to do anything because you do have to do something. You do have to be prepared. You do have to know something. You have to know the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God. Uh, but see, if, if it's like the eunuch, he's in Isaiah, and he said, well, uh, uh, tell me, tell me who he's talking about, but if you can't tell him because you don't even read the word, then you might not get that eunuch saved. You see? And when I say get him saved, I mean you might not present it the way God wants you to present it because you don't know it, and so therefore the Spirit of God can't work with you because you don't have the knowledge. See, um, my scripture tells me that the, 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 the Holy Spirit, he brings to our members those things that Christ has said to us. So if I haven't read the scripture, the Holy Spirit can't bring it to me. When I'm talking to somebody, uh, whoever I'm talking to on the streets about uh, the, the word of God, about the power of God, about uh, Jesus Christ, if they ask me a question, I might can't answer because I don't know the word of God. So I have to know the word of God. It's imperative that I know the word of God. That's why I read the word of God more than in a book. I have six or six that I'm trying to get to know. And, and, and no matter how many times I read it, the same thing, God shows me something different. So the more I read, the more I know how much I don't know. So when I sow, I want to sow. In humility, this farmer sowed in humility, didn't he? He just sowed and went to sleep. That's all he did. And got up because everything was automatic. Let me um, share something else with you so you know that sometimes we think that, well, uh, the people's heart they're not, they're really not, not hardened, really. Let's look at uh, Mark 6. We're in Mark. And um, I want to just share something with you here. Uh, let's start in 45, verse 45 in Mark 6. Now, <laughs> this is talking about the, 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 the disciples now, okay? This is what talking about Jesus walking on water. Let me give you a backdrop. Let me give you a backdrop. If you, if you think about it, this is over in the sixth chapter. Over in the fifth chapter, um, Jesus has encountered a synagogue person, Jairus, who wanted him to come heal his daughter. And on his way, there's a woman with the issue of blood, uh, and she's going to the physicians and everything, and, and the, and the physicians uh, couldn't do anything. Matter of fact, the lady got worse, and, and, and she's used up all the money. So she found out about Jesus, and, and so she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You know the account, don't you? Okay, and, and so by the time he finished uh, with her, because she did touch the hem of the garment, and she did get healed, and she did, your faith has made you whole, my daughter. Uh, they came and said, hey, don't trouble the master any longer because... The little girl has died. And Jesus says, of course, hey, hey look, just believe, just believe. And he, don't, he doesn't let anybody go with him except um, uh, James and John and Peter. And, and so they went with him, 
and uh, they raised the girl from the dead. Okay? So the disciples are already seen a woman with the issue of blood healed, and she's been that way 12 years. She's already, already seen uh, raising the dead. They've already seen um, 5,000 people, men, 5,000 men. So we know there are women and children there. So we're talking about 15,000, 20,000 people getting fed by how many fish, how many loaves. And they still had 12 baskets full left over that they said to take up the fragments. Okay. Miracle. Am I, am I right? Miracle. Great miracles. They'd already seen this. Now, we're in chapter 6. These are disciples now. These are disciples. So I'm trying to, I'm, we're still on the same subject that I want you to go out in humility because even though you think that uh, people have within them the ability to make decisions on their own without the Holy Spirit working with them, Yes, they make a decision, but it's because the Holy Spirit is, is orchestrating and moving and, and, and giving them the desire to say, yes, I want this Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. To, I need a Savior. It's because of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that no one can do anything apart from the Holy Spirit doing it through them. And I'm going to show you to the disciples now. They've seen all this stuff. Now, I know that you are so smart. I know that you are so wise. That you are not like those, I know you're not like those apostles, those, those disciples. I know you're not like them. Because, see, they are, they are type of people that, well, it's no way. It's no way you'll be like them. After you've seen all those miracles, all of us say, hey, you don't have to do another thing. Jesus, I believe everything, everything. Don't say another word. You are the man. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. What do you think? Wouldn't we say that? After we've seen dead raised, one with issue of blood, him feeding all those of thousands of people, five loaves, two fish. Oh, my goodness gracious. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown. The disciples followed. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many listeners were astonished and saying, where did this man get all these things? And, and um, uh, what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these have been hands. Is this not the carpenter, uh, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Jose, and, and Ju- Judas and Simon, and his sisters are with us? They took offense with him. He couldn't do many miracles there. Only a few sick people were healed. And he wanted their unbelief. And he was going around in the villages teaching. Um, I'm in verse, I'm in chapter 6. Verse 1 on down, and I, want to, I don't want to be there because that's before the 5,000. I want to go over to verse 45 of 6. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida. And this is after the 5,000. This is after they ate. He himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to do what? Pray. Jesus believed in prayer. And when, he was, when the evening was come, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, and the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, 
and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them with them and said, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. For they had not gained, come on, how, many, how much insight? Any, any insight from the incident of the loaves. But their heart was hardened. Your heart wouldn't be hardened, would it? Unless the Holy Spirit does something. <laughs> Our heart's going to be hardened too. We can't see. I don't care how many miracles, I don't care how many felt needs. You remember I was talking about felt needs. We're going to minister to the felt needs of people and things like that. I don't care how many felt needs you minister. Uh, some people are not going to believe. Uh, so don't think it's in man to believe. Okay? It's in God for to, uh, to regenerate us. It's God who works with our, our, our will. It's God who, to, who is, matter of fact, the word tells me, it's him who gives me the power and the will to do of his good pleasure. That's what the word of God says. That's why you got to know the word, because if you don't know the word, you're going to get your theology wrong. And so, therefore, I know that 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 is a it's a God thing. We can sow in humility and we can rest assured that our loved ones. Are going to get the best. That God has to offer. Because you're going to present Jesus Christ. To him crucified. Buried, raised again for the sins of the world. And so, therefore, that's the best that we can offer. That's the best. Let me, let me close with another example, because sometimes we, we still might not be as convinced as we maybe should be. Uh, let's look in, in, in Luke. You're not convinced that this is not you. I can tell, I can tell you're not convinced that it's, it's not you. Are you convinced that it's not you? That you can't do a thing but present the good news of the gospel about Jesus Christ? Or do you think it's through your eloquence? It's through, uh, you know, it's through this class you took, you know? It's through this, um, you know, you are close to this person, so surely this person is going to listen to you. It's not you. Who is it? God is God. Luke 23. Let's look there. And uh, let's look at the, here we are at the cross. We have two people on either side of him. Verse 39. One of the criminals One of them was hanging there, was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now he's mocking. Um, but he's thinking that, man, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself? And you can save us too, because you, 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 you say you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Yeah? You didn't come to die. You're supposed to come to. Uh, bring power and bring everything. Uh, you're supposed to be the king of the Jews. You're supposed to overthrow this Roman Empire and everything. 
but he's hurling abuse. But the other answered, and rebuking him, the other thief said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing. Now, what do you think he's right? Of course he's right. Of course he's right. This man is wise, isn't he? He already knows that this man is sinless. He knows about Jesus Christ. He committed no sin, but yet he's crucified. Let's go a little further. Verse 42. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Woo. This, this thief knew something, didn't he? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He must knew that, that he must knew Jesus was a king. Now it was, it was only only thing, king of the Jews, but you know, that was that's just mocking because because you know he said it was the king of the Jews, but you know, they, they know he's not king of nobody, you know. We're gonna crucify him and show you he's not king of nothing. But he knew you coming into your kingdom. You are coming into your kingdom. Death can't hold you. You're coming in your kingdom. And so I want you to remember me. Oh, he knows something, doesn't he? Oh, this thief knows something. He knows more than a lot of people know. He knew about his sinlessness. He knew about his sovereignty. He was king. He also knew he must have been a savior. Because he said what? Remember me. Remember me. Save me. Save me. Come on. When you come into your kingdom, oh, he must have knew, known that he was coming again. He must have knew about the second coming. When you come again. Oh, my goodness. When you come into your kingdom, oh, What did Jesus say? Man, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Did he say that? Huh? What do you think? No. He said, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Seemed like the other one would have said, hey, (laughs) remember me too. He said nothing, man. He didn't say anything. It's not in people to say anything. I'm telling you, it wasn't in this person to say anything either. But somebody told him about the good news. Somebody told him about the gospel. You see? Somebody told the other person too. But the other person, heart is hardened. Just like those disciples, you know. They'd seen all the miracles, but their heart was hardened. They couldn't understand anything. They couldn't understand anything. Did no good whatsoever. Until the Holy Spirit came. Who led this man to the Lord? Who was the man who led him to the Lord? Come on, talk to me. You don't have no instance whatsoever of anybody, you know, got a megaphone. Hey, thief, you got some good theology there, boy. Let me lead you to the Lord. No, 
Nobody did a thing, did they? It was a total work of God in the man's heart. You see, the, 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 the soul, somebody told him about the, somebody told him about the Lord. Somebody told him about Jesus Christ. And all he had to do is just rest. See, the, the seed does what? You plant it in the soil and divinely is divinely grows. We talk about that Greek word is automatos. It's, it's divinely grows of its own. Somehow it just grows. Somehow when somebody told them about it, they just rested. Some of you have relatives, they haven't accepted Jesus Christ, and they, they, they just haven't done it. And, and so you're worried about, oh, what am I going to do? I got to do something, I got to do something. Give them the good news and just rest, because it's not dependent upon you anyway. God would do his thing whenever he wants to do it. You say, well, he's on a sick bed. I don't know whether he's going to ever say anything. Don't worry about it. If he's here the good news, the Holy Spirit would do something, because he can do it right at the last minute. He can do it. Did he do it for the thief? I mean, this is, I mean, this is found out. This man gonna die. This man gonna die. The Spirit of God comes in and push. This man, that day, was with Jesus in paradise. So I say to you that we can sow in humility. It's not by any pride of ourselves. It's not by anything that we're gonna do except present the good news. It's not by any you know, uh, great wisdom and, and bells and whistles that we can uh, tell anybody except the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not dependent upon this uh, person who we are talking to who want to get saved. It's not going to be whether they have the ability. Oh, I, you know, I just wish they would. I just wish they would just get. I just wish they would believe they have the ability to believe. They don't have the ability to do anything until the spirit of God gives it to them. So all we have to do is pray. Pray. Pray, pray, pray. That, that's the only, only watering we can do. That's the only thing we can do. Somebody else might come, come by and water a little bit. Somebody else might come through and water on something else on that. Somebody else might come through and, and, and uh, be the one that they were there when they accepted Jesus Christ. And you might want to be, be yeah, say, I wish I was the one, you know, you know Uncle, Uncle Joe, you know, man. You know, I've been putting all this time in, and here's somebody that, that he didn't even know him, led him to the Lord. No, it wasn't that man who led him to the Lord. It was just the Holy Spirit did it, but it's the word that you've been putting in. It's the word that somebody's been putting in. It's the good news. So you can rest assured that we can sow in humility. Let's stand. Bottom line, our job is to sow in humility. Our job is to pray. Our job is to rest, wait, and let God do what only he can do. We have to go. We have to present the good news. Woe unto us if we don't uh, open our mouths for Jesus Christ. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, just the glory of God. We're going to talk about the splendor of God. We, it's, it's a communion time. It's, it's the day after uh, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. A uh, great time for testimonies. We want to have some testimonies of the goodness of God in your lives. 
what has God done in your life? Let's just have a celebration, uh, a closing out of 2010. We're just glorifying our Lord and our Savior because he's the one that's worthy for us to go open our mouths for. I don't care about what restaurant opens up that, that serves all the best food in the world for the cheapest price. There's no, there's no need to tell anybody uh, about that and, and expect that that's the great news. That's not great news. That's not great news. That's, that's news just to uh, make us have to ex- exercise more. <laughs> we want to take the great news, the good news about Jesus Christ out. That's what we want to take out. And he's worthy, so we want to, we want to let him know how worthy he is, and, and we want to talk about his glory. We want to sing about his glory. We want to testify of his glory. That's what we want to do next week. And then we're going to have communion. That's what we want to see. It's going to be a glorious time. Father, we thank you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, this time today where we are just uh, encouraging the people, Lord, your people, Lord, all of us, Lord, that, yes, you have commanded us to go out, which we did last week, But now you're telling us, go out in humility because you are the one in control. We are the vessel. We are the farmer. We are the soul. We are going to sow. And then we're going to rest. We're going to spend our time in prayer, prayer, prayer. And then we're going to talk about next year. What else we can do while we're waiting on the soil to bring forth the fruit? Automatos, divinely automatos. Father, give us strength as we go out to proclaim this week to somebody the goodness of our God, the graciousness of our God the mercy of our God, the glory of our God, the grace of our God, that everything they have need of is in Christ Jesus, who died for our sins. He was raised again that we may live eternally with him. May we have the grace to do that. And may we go out this week, Lord, with humility, knowing that that's all you're asking us to do. If they reject it, this doesn't matter. Because we know that some are going to plant, some are going to water, but it's you who causes the growth. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say, 